Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risks, L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of good economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info at marketplacebiz.com and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I am really pleased to welcome John Green. Now, John Green is um, an advisory board member here at Marketplace Risk, and he is also Vice President of Global Sales at Prove. Welcome, John, to the podcast. Well, thank you, Al. Great to be here. It's great to have you on. And I just I know that you've been part of this Marketplace Risk community for many years, and it's been brilliant to have you, you know, along for you know, to see everything that's been changing, particularly in the last um, couple of years, but also just to hear a bit more about Prove, which is where you are now, and and a bit more about what you're doing there, but also hear about your your journey. So let's kick off. Um, and I want to hear, first of all, actually, let's talk about you. How did you get into this world? Because Prove is focused on identity verification, identity solutions. And and that's an odd one. That's not something that you would necessarily study at college, is it, or university? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was not a major of mine in, in college, in the university. Um, but yeah, no, appreciate that. So it was a fun journey. I think my career has been spent really trying to figure out in technology. I've, uh, I've always loved technology and what it could do uh, for, for the world and, and different parts of you know what we do every day. Um, and I spent about 15 years in the digital media space helping to convert you know analog broadcast or cable signals and and uh, services into streaming you know connected devices uh, services that we all you know um, use and love today. And about six years ago, uh, I was looking for something different, something to change uh, you know, a new, a new challenge and in a new market that was maybe not quite as uh, uh, mature tech from a technology perspective. And so I had two, two uh, opportunities and uh, one was a, an ad tech uh, uh, interesting opportunity. And then one was in the digital identity space. And uh, I think it came down to, uh, I felt like the world did not need more targeted advertising, um, <laughs> but, digi- but digital identity um, was an area where it was just really, really interesting to me. And the services that digital identity really is, is a fundamental, you know, necessity for, um, there's so many services now, whether it's uh, in financial services or healthcare or in the marketplace world that that we uh, live in, um, there's so much convenience, so much choice um, that we now take for granted, but the underpinnings of identity, you know, is really an important part of all these marketplaces that allow us to do so much more mm. via digital channels and mobile channels. Mm. So we do proud to be a part of it. We do take it for granted now that um, as soon as we download a new app, a new marketplace app, that we can just jump on and, and there's certain expectations as to what we're 
going to encounter when it comes to proving our identity. And there's every chance that if it's not quite what we expect, we will um, just sort of abandon it really. And, and, you know, people have become accustomed to certain things. That must be something that has changed a lot in the space of time that you've been working in this world. So tell me when you first started working in uh, identity verification, what was going on there and what has now changed to be at the point where I know Prove have some, you know, really cutting edge solutions, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first, uh, if I look, think about six years ago, early adopters, people who'd be uh, really excited to, to, they're willing to maybe take on more, um, more work. Uh, that's typical of an early adopter um, to get to something. And uh, I think as you get into more mainstream uh, people and audiences, you need to make it easier. Right? And I think the bar for, uh, for user experience to be more seamless, uh, frictionless, uh, is you know, what's going to attract the mass, uh, mass market adoption of different services and capabilities. So I think that's a big thing that we've seen is that uh, you need to continue to drive better and better experiences. Uh, at the same point, uh, you need to, as a service, you need to ensure whether it's risk and fraud or in the marketplace, we call it trust and safety, but the trust and safety aspect, uh, really, you cannot uh, you know, decrease those capabilities. In fact, you have to increase them because as I think you'd probably see from a lot of the marketplace constituents, you know, in, in our group, um, fraudsters like to go after, uh, or, or bad actors go after, uh, services that have scale. And a lot of the marketplaces are scaling significantly over the last few years. So they become targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, in, with marketplaces, there is a really specific set of challenges as well isn't there because of that transaction between two individuals so you know I know that when you know when we say talking about prove that it's not just marketplaces who are your clients how does your offering adapt to that very unique transaction and and how is it different when you're when you're offering to a client um what the prove services when you've got to to sort of safeguard two sides of a transaction and you've got two people interacting and they both need their identity verified yeah well i think one of the one of the really good things about what we or prove does is the ability to create a high fidelity fraud signal with very low friction for the end user and so with marketplaces what we hear a lot about is we have to make it very seamless, very easy for if I'm going to be a rider or I'm going to be a, uh, you know, a consumer of a delivery service or other anything on the consumption side, it has to be simple. They have to get onto, um, onto our platform and service without a lot of friction. And what is really so great about what Prove does is we're able to do just that um, with just a phone number that can often be a, either a very low friction experience or a completely passive experience where the user doesn't have to do anything. We're able to determine uh, what that person's device and phone number is and then do a number of checks on the back end to make sure that that person is who they say they are. And in some cases, even help speed the onboarding flow from what it would be without uh, our solutions in the mix. 
And does that mean also that you are reducing the chance that somebody might be detected as a fraudster when they're not in fact? Uh, no, actually, that's one of the great things about what we do is we have um, with with our capability and our ability to check uh, I check against numbers um, that probably has of any signal you know out there globally. Uh, there's over 3.8 billion people with uh, with smartphones globally in the U.S. 97% of people have cell phones, and so that actually is probably the broadest reach, uh, you know, of any signal um, that's used in identity. And for that reason, we're actually able to get more good users through the door. And so, routinely, what we hear from our our customers is that's the first thing they want to hear from, be able to accomplish is help us with growth, help us improve our onboarding experience and then catch you know, would-be frosters or in the marketplace world, especially you know, bad actors. That's really interesting. And this phone number thing, I'm fascinated by this. This is, So the phone number has become really a, a really key um, indicator of whether a person is a person. Has that always been the case? How have you seen that evolve? Because I know that that's a very accurate match isn't it your phone number how has that evolved yes um, and we've really evolved it over time we've been in business for for 10 years and evolved our capabilities um, but yes uh, the phone number has become a really great way to prove identity and there's a few reasons why i think i mentioned the broad reach of that mm -hmm. signal there's one it's really important two uh the ability to have real-time data uh, it is so much. We're always on our phones and there's no other signal that has the level of real-time data coming through that we could then determine uh, and use to determine identity in a real-time, you know, sort of privacy-enhanced way. Um, additionally, what is really unique and compelling about your phone and phone signal is that it's protected, or sort of a root of trust protection. So every connection on a mobile network has 128-bit encrypted signal that is at the network layer. And what we're able to do is get to that, uh, that root of trust signal. And then that helps us determine what phone and phone number is attached to a certain signal. And then what we're able to do, once we understand this is the possession of a certain transaction is this phone number, then we're able to also layer in a reputation or trust uh, score for that uh, for that phone number. Right? How long has that phone number been in service? And during that service time, whether it's been a week or 10 years, has the behavior of that phone looked like what a normal person would be doing? Um, has any other... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's very powerful. Um, the amount of information that you can get to determine uh, identity through phone. And, and then there's also things in real time where we're able to say, we understand that someone has had this phone for 10 years, but has there been a very recent uh, action that's taken place that could be risky? So my, my phone, I've had my phone number for 20 years and, um, and is you, you, everything about me, I use it for all of you know, a variety of different apps uh, and services. But what if I go to sleep one night and known fraud vectors where fraudsters will come in and use social engineering to 
to do something called a SIM swap and change the brains of that phone to a different device. Uh, we have the ability to determine in real time if, if any, if a SIM swap or what's called a porting mechanism has happened. Um, and that helps thwart very, uh, you know, very difficult to, uh, to engineer, mm. but, uh, you know, fraud attempts. And so those are the types of things that we can do with our signal that other signals. So does anybody know what's going on with their social security number? If anyone's using that, right? Mm -hmm. If anything's manipulated, what about, you know, email or documents, if you lost a document and somebody else is using that into a flow, like those are the types of things that you really don't have the ability in real time mm. to detect. Um, and we can. And what, what about if somebody had just literally just a normal, not a bad actor, do you, I don't know if we call them good actors or just actors, um, yeah. <laughs> um, they've just got a new phone. Do, do they, are they penalized for that in the sense that you don't have that data on how they've been using their phone or yeah yeah so that's that that's a good point and the, we actually have algorithms to know when there are good so if people get a new phone um, we are able to detect that this person is still who they say they are they are it is the right person on the phone we have a number of solutions that can can determine that if people switch carriers uh, we can determine that the the uh, the identity has moved from one carrier to the, to the other Right. Uh, so there's a variety of ways that we ensure that good users get through. And typically what we see is uh, a pretty significant gain of onboarding of good new users um, on flows that marketplaces and other customers, you know, utilize us for. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good question and something that um, that we make sure we, uh, you know, we can execute mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And KYC, tell me about that, John, because I see this this phrase, this um, acronym coming up quite a lot, and I don't, I, I know what it stands for. It's, it's know your customer, isn't it? Is that yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, but I, I struggle to see, and hopefully I'm speaking on behalf of of marketplace startup founders who don't necessarily have a a tech background. How does that fit in to the the whole I? verification world that because you know what what's what's the meaning of yeah. that in this context well i mean there's a few ways so know your customers a regulation that was primarily driven towards uh financial services uh companies um, around moving money and and knowing your customer uh, before they have financial assets but it's used in other areas as well and certain uh marketplaces uh, certainly as they get into payments, uh, have to adhere to know your customer regulations and, and AML or anti-money laundering regulations. Um, so we're able to achieve or help people achieve those KYC regulations uh, through our services uh, as well. So not only um, knowing what the phone is and, the, and that the phone is, is a trustworthy phone, but then attaching the user who owns this phone. And that's equally as important. So if um, you want you to determine that this transaction is this phone number and this phone number is a trustworthy phone number, but who owns that phone? Is it John Green or Al Tucker to, that owns that phone and is attached to it? Great, it is. And it's John Green who's trying to get to my services. So that, that is a transaction I want to continue to move forward with rather than it's John Green's phone, but somebody else is applying for you know, to be an Uber driver or uh, an Instacart delivery person, right? Right, I see, I see. And 
with the phone number thing again so I, I, i'm fascinated by this people change their phone numbers um all the time and i know we had that example there of what if someone gets a new phone but surely yeah. if a marketplace is growing and scaling they're going to have a lot of people there's surely going to be a change um happening all the time with the prove offering do you only have the um only help clients with the the sort of onboarding at one point or do you help them to manage that change as well how do you how do you support that part of it yeah i mean i think that's that's a great question and there's i think there's probably two questions in there so one is do we help with onboarding absolutely do we help with ongoing servicing of their consumers yes and we do that with a variety of ways so if somebody wants to change information on their account uh, that is typically a thought of as a high risk transaction. I want to mm -hmm. change the some sort of personal information on that account, or I want to change uh, where payment goes. Um, right, that would be a high risk. We are typically brought in at those times, and we can assess uh, of that the transaction. We can assess the validity of the the device and the number that's associated with that transaction right in sort of the same ways that i've just been sort of yeah so yeah so we get dropped in we actually when i think dropped in is you know sort of a fully passive way um we can determine oh it's this device it's this phone number and tell you if that's trustworthy or not right uh, because i suppose we think of the fraud the fraudsters coming on and, and trying to get onboarded but it could be that that it's actually somebody that's already on the platform and they're trying to change their um, details and that's the actual fraudulent activity which I didn't thought of before so you're kind of supporting people through that clients through that whole journey which I, I suppose makes makes absolute sense doesn't it yeah absolutely um, and that is a big uh, an important fraud or, or bad actor sort of attack vector is changing the information of known users, um, you know, to, to do a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think though, uh, Al, I think you did have a secondary question, which is in there, which is, well, when a user gets a new phone number, so it could mm -hmm. be a new device or a new phone number, and we're able to track, uh, you know, changes from a, per a person's identity as they change to new phone numbers if that does happen. And there, there's certainly a percentage of the of the people out there in the world that change phone numbers um, somewhat frequently. And in the past, those would, you know, the, I would say on one side, that is a risky behavior and it's a behavior that we would flag for a period of time. Um, and we work with our, some customers would flag that maybe for 12 or 24 hours. Some might flag that for longer as as a scenario where we might want to take a closer look at this user before we allow them to uh, take money out of their of an account or change uh, you know payment terms or other things on that account um, and yeah. so we you know but what's important is we are we can showcase or allow that information to be uh, to be shown to our customers and then our customers could determine what do I want to do with this information um, and for how long? Do you think that this is always going to be, I mean, ID verification in general, always going to be a balancing act with the need for it um, and keeping the bad acts at bay, 
and balancing that with a smooth customer journey so that the actual, you know, people who want to get on and spend money and do whatever on the marketplace aren't put off. It's quite a fine balance. Do you think that's always going to be the case? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to say no. It's at some point it's just going to be really easy and, <laughs> no at, and there's never going to be bad people in the world doing doing you know nefarious things. But I think that's you know that's sort of the um, until that day happens, right? Let's let's plan for the, for the otherwise. And, and so what I think is really interesting though is that um, we've come a long way. There's a lot of great minds out there in the market. Certainly, Prove is is full of some great uh, minds and people working very hard to make that process easier for good consumers um, and then harder for uh, for bad actors. And so, um, and I think there's a few trends that are, that are pretty interesting. Um, certainly um, the ability to track uh, real-time data, real-time data over time, tokenization of identities is something that, um, that Prove and others are working on that makes it really interesting because you could then start putting known, you know, users and you know, their behaviors, um, over time, and then can allow those good users through, uh, through whether it's an onboarding or a, account changes or other servicing needs very quickly. Um, you know, if you think about it, like, uh, like going to the airport, if you want to take the time to go through TSA and get approved, then you get a, a more seamless, quicker, easier. I really love that I don't have to take my shoes off um, <laughs> with the airport and I fly through in a short amount of time. And if you, you know, if you don't take those steps, you might have a more difficult approach, um, but you, you, you as a user can sort of control that. And I think over time, there's going to be a lot of those things created. I mean, you see certain things in market today that, that are you know, creating reusable identities um, and that makes things more seamless. Some of our um, startups in, in the marketplace risk community are really early stage. They might be about to get their first funding round and they might be listening to this and think, wow, that sounds really high tech, totally you know, expensive and for big, for big marketplaces. We don't need to think about that yet. And I know from experience of working with marketplace startups, prioritizing that first funding round is tricky um, but many m maybe don't put this type of technology on the list. What would your advice be to somebody who's at that planning stage that's got their business plan and is, you know, maybe working on their deck for investment? Sure. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great question. And I think something that I'm sure startups, they, when we speak to them, that they always struggle with that because there's this need to drive growth. And, and I get it, right? And you you have to show growth in order to get additional funding and to grow and to create a business. Um, so what we see with our solutions, one is that when they're implemented, especially on well, really on, on onboarding, but on servicing as well. Um, but in the onboarding flow, we actually take a number of steps out of a typical onboarding flow uh, for consumers. And so with every step you can take out of a flow, uh, you you decrease abandonment, and so that one is you know is fantastic and drives uh, greater growth numbers and all the types of metrics that that startups need excuse me need to to get a second round of funding. Um, additionally, 
you you can't afford you know fraud on, on a platform or in the marketplace a trusted safety incident i think that's that's uh that's something that especially at, at any time is a real problem uh for the brand that you're trying to create um but i think what i've seen from early stage companies and, and late stage companies is that what you really need is an optimized spend. And so I think what I, what people typically come to say, I, I got to spend more on marketing to get more people on the top of my funnel. And the problem is if, if your funnel isn't really efficient at converting people. So if you're converting at 10, 20, 30% of, of your funnel of top line users or uh, prospects to actual scaled users in your market, you're spending a lot more money than you need to. And then you are, needing to go get more funding than perhaps you need to and then diluting you know your shares and your your early investor shares maybe more quickly than you need to so i would say don't be afraid to spend more time really optimizing your onboarding and early usage flow so that every dollar you spend is really well utilized um, and prove certainly can help with that from improving onboarding flows and, and decreasing uh, fraud and trust and safety incidents that's, at the same time. That's great. That's um, that's really really interesting. I'm, I'm not necessarily a perspective that that founders might have thought of. Now, John, in a couple of weeks, well, um, I'll just interrupt you for a second. I think founders may or may not have thought about it, but also their investors may not always think about oh. that too. So there's a bit of an education process. I think that is a bit of a uh, stand yeah. that that the founders may need to take to sort of say, look. We're going to prioritize these things that are going to help conversions. that are going to be better use of, of the money because everybody typically, and I've been part of those startups, you rush to show uh, top of funnel interest mm. and, you know, and then eyeballs on your site, which, um, which is okay. But if they don't convert to whatever the usage metrics you need, you know, are, that's a problem. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's that's great and really useful advice. In a couple of weeks, you are going to be with Tim Brown, who's your head of product, talking um, about digital identity on a live event. And it's five trends leading marketplaces should know for 2022. So I think that's going to be brilliant. So we're really looking forward to that. It's in partnership with the Marketplace Industry Association. So um, just any... Um, any teasers for that upcoming event, John, do <laughs> let me know. Um, well, I appreciate that. Well, Tim is a really sharp guy um, and he's he runs our product and has a great vision uh, for a number of, of things and projects that we're going to be doing that I think will be really exciting. Again, continuing to in the, in the notion of balancing the need for better user experiences and, and, and mitigating fraud. So. I will just leave that there. Let let you and uh, and everyone else, um, you know, think about what we might talk about mm -hmm. here. But um, but a lot of great, interesting uh, trends going on right now in the space. A lot of great innovation, and uh, Prove is certainly uh, at the forefront of that. Can't wait to to be there, John. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been really interesting. Well, El, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.